Bearstone County contains explicit language and graphic content of all kinds and is not suitable for sensitive listeners or anyone under the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. Episode 6, Something Like Heaven, narrated by Luke Mott. The frigid air sinks its fangs into my cheeks, throbbing in a sea of scorching needles. I'd imagine they're tinted a languid shade of blue by now. It's been days since I felt anything other than a brisk fire when I inhale. White, exhausted clouds of breath dangle in front of me, then blow away with the snowdrift in silence. A dull, icy rash fuses my pant legs to my calves. I'm sure my feet would be cold if I could feel them, but... They're just icy bricks in my haggard boots smashing against the dirt with every step. I'm waiting for the moment that they shatter and I collapse onto the frozen trail, but somehow they just keep on walking. My thoughts drift in and out of vague memories trying to assemble the remains. It's all that's left to pull me along, but I can't recall the contours of your face, nor the sounds you made when we made love. I can't feel the warmth of my daughter's head resting on my chest, nor the pride I felt from calming her cries. If hers is the voice of God, then he's abandoned me. My head is an endless well of fragments pieced together in a nostalgic mosaic willowing away with each painful step. An abandoned hovel composed of crumbling stone and rusted metal sits at the foot of a nameless mountain to the west perched on the crest of a shallow white slope. I decide to rest there then trudge toward it through the untouched snow draped across the meadow. When I walk through the empty doorway, there's cluttered scattered about the floor. Broken bottles, piles of stone, haggard clothes, bullet holes in the wall, two table-like slabs, and splintered timber hanging from the window frames. I shake off the cold and sit in an empty corner by the far wall. I shrug my rucksack to the floor and my bones creak as I situate on the icy stone beneath me. My head throbs and I unzip the front pouch, pulling out a metal flask. 
I unscrewed the lid and drank, keep me warm, yes, but mostly to dull the sharp edges of pain in my head. My eyelids shut and I swoon in the rush of heat down my chest. My leather boots crackle as I untie the laces and slide the block of ice off my foot. The burlap sack underneath expands in relief crinkling in the cold. Dull shards of pain crawl up my leg. Underneath the sack is a foot stained black with frostbite. I run my fingers over the toes and one sticks to my pointer then snaps off. I expect pain, but nothing comes. I dig through the main pouch of my rucksack, pulling out a box of matches and a nearly depleted nub of candle wax. I strike the match against the phosphorus strip along the box's edge and watch the sparks dance around the flame. Such a minute detail capable of such devastation. Just like the cigarette cherry pinched in your hand setting fire to our home with our sleeping child trapped inside. I lower the match to the wick and a small yellow orb flickers on top of the wax trying to rage but barely staying lit. I run my hands over the flame not expecting to feel any heat but a tepid bristle of warmth traces the creases in my palm. I think of the subsequent fallout following the night of the fire, the awful things that I said to you that I can never take back, the feeling of relief I felt when I walked into the boarding room to see your feet dangling over that hideous floral rug and the guilt afterwards at your wake. The pain of identifying my own daughter's crisp little corpse on that undertaker's table then burying her in a closed casket the same pain that led me to this hovel in the middle of nowhere. Alone, broken. Black button eyes stir and stare at me from inside the bag as I place the matches back in the front pouch. Tears well over my eyelids and my face wrinkles in a familiar kind of pain as I bite the inside of my cheek. Crusted fur loosens under my palm as I caress the memory, then pull it out. She used to call it Sunny. But now I can only hear my tired voice utter its name. I had the town seamstress sew it up when you were pregnant and gave it to her when she was born. I remember her lying next to it under the dim lantern light. I was the first to comfort her cries that night, but I couldn't be the last. I squeeze it, bury my nose in the fur and inhale, trying to smell her fragrance, but I only smell burning. A memory flashes in my head, one of the only ones left. Her charred hand hangs off the gurney from under the white sheep draped across her little body, and you scream. A sound I wish would disappear with the other memories. The townsfolk pull you back, but you fight, refusing to let her go. 
Your body is covered in soot and blood by the time they pry you off. You collapse, and I knew then I wouldn't have you for much longer. You're never the same after that, but why would you have been? You blamed yourself, and quietly so did I. Maybe I didn't stop you on purpose, and I knew when you said goodbye that morning you meant it. Could I have stopped you anyway? Maybe I should have tried. I wish I could have been there for you. I'm so sorry I couldn't help. I'm sorry I couldn't say I love you. I'm sorry for blaming you, and I'm sorry for hating you. Honestly, there are times I still do. My abhorrence enveloped me like an ocean, one whose waves I've been drowning in ever since. I don't know why I keep walking. I'm so fucking tired. I hope I'm dying. I don't feel the cold anymore, just heat boiling under my skin. I wonder if anyone will find me. I'd be surprised if they even looked. I hope... I hope there's a heaven, or at least something like it. And I hope you're there with her. I wish I could see your faces, but... I can't see anything anymore. Hey everyone, this is uh, Luke from Bearstone County. I tried to wait out my cold as long as I could before I did this, but uh, lo and behold, the uh, release date for this episode is tomorrow, and I gotta make do with what I got. And I just wanted to reach out and say, you know, thank you to all the people who support the show. We were expecting, you know, somewhere in the area of like 50 listens, and now we're pushing the thousands, so um, it's only been a couple of months, so that's a really good feeling. Um, And thank you for making that happen. Um, And I'm sure you can tell by, you know, the litany of titles that my name carries regarding this show. So it's a very important show to me. It's a very personal thing. And so I appreciate all of your support. I want to say thank you also to all the voice actors who came in and provided their voices for the shows. You know, um, Mitra, Vera, uh, Judy, Jordan, Rachel, Chris, uh, everybody came in and really helped out a lot and helped get this project off the ground. So I wanted to say thank you to them. I wasn't going to initially produce this episode, but I figured I would because it was kind of the starting point for the whole project, kind of acting as a well of sorts, I guess, as uh, inspiration for all the other characters like Amos, Isabella, Henry. And this story was the only way I could think to wrap up the season thematically. We have our second season uh, finishing up pre-production, and I'm in the process of developing extra content for Patreon, including a mini-series, books, artwork, um, and I really look forward to expanding on this project and, you know, expanding the world of Bearstone County with all of you. 
So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And we'll be back in February for season two. And until then, tell everyone about us. Check out our socials, send us messages and get in touch. Help us grow this community into a safe and cathartic place, you know, to be weird and and expressive. And uh, remember the most important thing, and that is you are loved by me and you are not alone. So for the last time of season one, thank you for listening.